welcome to another episode of The Extras. I'm Candy. And I'm Sam. Hello. The Extras is a podcast where we answer questions that have come in from the Sunday sermon. So uh, the Sunday that I've just gone by, Sam, we talked about ministry. So what yeah. passage did we look at and yeah. what, did you, what did you speak on? Yeah, it was a great Sunday. Um, I did it at Carlingford on Sunday at North Rocks the week before. And so it was great to spend that time in 1 Peter chapter 4. We were looking at verses 7 to 11, just a short little chunk. Um, just and really, we, we mainly looked at um, two verses, verses 10 and 11, really, um, going quite closely into those and yeah. thinking through uh, kind of phrase by phrase almost what um, uh, serving the Lord uh, with the lives and the gifts that we've been given is all about. And uh, we did go and look at a few other places as well, but that's where we were on Sunday. Yeah. Mm, yep, on 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4. Yeah, so we're going to dive straight in to yeah, some great. questions. Yep. Um, so the first question is about 1 Peter 4. Um it, it talks about when it says um, to be used to build up the body of Christ. Actually, I think, um, is this the one that's in actually in Ephesians 4? Yeah, Ephesians 4 talks yeah. about building up the body. 1 Peter doesn't. Um, yeah. But we, yeah, we went and looked at 1 Peter 4, uh, at Ephesians 4 to, to sort of round out the picture a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So in Ephesians 4, it says the gifts that God has given up to be used to build up the body of Christ. Now, are the gifts only for the Christian community and not outside the church? That's a really good question. Um, uh, I think, I mean, gifts gifts is an interesting piece of language across, uh, across the Bible. Um, I think the short answer is... Um, Technically, I think according to the scriptures, yes. Um, the gifts are things that God gives to his people. Um, God gives lots of things. He's a, he's a generous giver. He gives us uh, salvation. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us um, uh, things to, like, like we're talking about on Sunday, gifts that we can use. But the, the gifts are, at least according to scripture, given to Christians to use to build up the body. Um, now, does that mean, therefore, that people's skills who aren't Christians um, don't haven't come from God? Mm. Well, no. I, I think... Uh, like um, Matthew 5 talks about God being so generous that he makes the, the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun comes up over the righteous and the unrighteous. Um, God, God is very kind and he gives, and we, we call that, um, technically we call that common grace, that God is just a good God who gives good things to the world. Um, so there are all kinds of people who don't know the Lord who have incredible abilities um, that we can say, yes, that's part of a, a God-given skill, yes. And, and even our language, we talk about like a gifted uh you know, yeah. mathematician, a very, or a, yeah, or a yeah, gifted yeah. teacher, a very you know, charismatic whatever. leader, or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Those ultimately, I think they do come. Everything comes from from God. Yeah, James chapter one says every good and perfect thing comes down from from God. Um, but I think technically, when when we're looking at the the language of, of gifts um, as they're sort of used in in the letters and the way that they're sort of spoken about, that I think it is particularly focused on the ones that God gives to Christians. So um, like, for example, like teaching yeah, is a gift. Yep, yep that's right. Uh, teaching uh, things like um, prophesying, things like um, administering, th- yeah. those kind of different, there's a whole range of different things that get mentioned um, across a couple of different passages. They do tend to have, um, in their context, when you look at the, the reason that God's given them, is so that God's kingdom can be built um, and God's church can flourish. Um, that that seems to be the, the, the common theme there. Yeah, it's, I think, tied to, like you were saying before in the sermon, tied to the purpose. That's right. Yeah, it yeah. Ha- does have so that Precisely. kind of the build up. Of so the that the Christ. body can be built. Yep. Yeah, so that it is for the Christian community. Mm. Um, now, each is given different gifts. That's um, what the passage is saying. So if we're to use those, it doesn't appear that hospitality is differentiated. Is that a gift? Is hospitality a gift? Yeah, it's a great question. So, yeah, 1 Peter 4 is where I think this question has come up out of. Um, 
And the verse just before it, and I think I said in the sermon, gee, there's a lot we could say about hospitality, but we're not mm. going to say that today because we're focusing today on ministry because we're in the middle of a, a vision series. So it's great to have an opportunity just to talk a little bit deeper about that. Um, uh, Sam, could you give us a definition yeah, of what hospitality I will. is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, th- that's actually a really good place to start. Um, so I think we, in our culture, use the word hospitality to kind of mean... Um, having some people over for a nice meal um, and uh, a bit of a, you know, get our, get our inner master chef on and you know, put <laughs> on a nice spread. Carpet, yeah. yeah, that's right. And, uh, and we're doing hospitality. And sometimes there can even be a bit of pressure, I think, ar- around hospitality. Like, house has got to be perfect. Everything's got to look beautiful. Um, the Insta photos that we take have to make it look amazing because then, <laughs> then we did hospitality. But that's yeah. actually a, a slightly different kind of idea to what the, I think the New Testament is getting at. Um, you see it in a couple of places. Um, Three John's a really interesting letter to read on this front. Mm. Um, uh, and and it, I think, helps to locate for us uh, the hospitality, particularly connected to the movement of Christian people around the world as they go out to tell the gospel. Um, you know, in the days before Airbnb, um, <laughs> you were wanting to go to a town and talk to them about, um, uh, tell the town about Jesus, um, but you you had nowhere to stay and so you'd stay in the town square until someone takes you in and so um three john verse eight is a good um he says we ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth Mm. um and the the context here is is as people travel around the world with the gospel on their lips ready to tell others they need lodging and so part of what we do to support the gospel endeavor is to say hey i'm a christian too um, you can come and tell my town about the Lord Jesus and you can stay in my house for a little while and then off you go to the next place that you've got mm. to go. That's a little bit more. Um, and very literally, that the, the Greek word for hospitality actually means um, the love of strangers. So welcoming in the, um, the ones you don't know and, and yet putting them up. And so slightly different to just kind of putting on a beautiful roast and having my mates around to, you know, for a nice night. Now, that's a good thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but the, particularly here, um, yeah, I think that... that again, just puts us back into this framework of being part of the, the work of the Lord in, in taking the gospel to the nations. Um, we want to take up our part. Now, the question is, is that a particular gift? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I looked across the, the way that word gets used in the, across the New Testament. It's, it's commanded a number of times of Christians. So here, um, another place in Romans chapter 12, uh, just says, show hospitality, just a straight up command. Um, so I don't think it's particularly that I might... Now, some people might be better at it than others, but I don't think it's, a, it's talked about in the context of being a gift. It's just something that Christians are called upon to do, much like love. Or um, Does that make sense? Yeah. So I don't think... Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think that's quite the way that, that um, at least Peter is using it. He, he just commands us all. He says in uh, verse 8, love each other. Then verse 9, he says, show hospitality. That's what we're to do. And then he says, each of you should use whatever gifts you've got to serve others. So I think from verse 10, he seems to then go into, and then in, in the different abilities and strengths and weaknesses that you have, use whatever you've got um, yeah. to, to, for the good of others. Does, does that yeah, help? Yeah, that's very helpful to yeah. think about what being hospitable actually means. And is that and that's actually something we're all called to do. Yeah. Um, now, you've talked about, you know, welcoming people coming to share the gospel. Mm. Um, is there anything, any other pointers? So, so this person's asked, what does that look like? Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, that, that's how I think the word is technically used in the New Testament, in this sort of just uh, welcoming um, strangers, strangers yeah. who are on gospel mission. But I, I think, um, so that certainly could be part of it. Um, you know, I remember uh, 
being uh, a more college student and um, every year more college offers a, a like a, they send all the students out on, on missions and uh, you'd go and you'd be part be part of a local church for a week or two and uh, the local church there would put you up mm. and uh, they'd, they'd billet you I think that's the word yeah, that we it often was. use I, that was the first time I learned what that word yeah. means I said billet yeah. what's that yeah, yeah that's right and um, I remember having across my four years at Moore College some wonderful experiences of being put up by Christians who'd say right there's our room you can have it and we'll got, we've got your food we've got your tab covered for the week mm. um, and you can you know I understand if you need to be out late at a church event you, here's your key just come in when you need to there's the bed and uh, we'll be praying for you um, I thought that was a beautiful expression of, of, of Christian fellowship um, for thinking through uh, how we, because we were there to try and help kind of raise the evangelistic temperature in their suburb. And uh, and they sort of took us in. So there, there's a practical example of what that might look like. Um, uh, I think you could then say uh, uh, we could extend that um, to sharing fellowship with one another. But... Um, I think that's a sort of distant cousin of the idea. Uh, yeah. I think that's more to do with, like, if you say have some people over after church on a Sunday, I'm not sure that's quite what this is talking about. That might be picked up under fellowship, and that's a beautiful idea and, a, and a, something that we're commanded to do elsewhere, but I'm not sure that's quite capturing the hospitality idea of the of the New Testament. Mm, yeah. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> um, how can I be serving, or can I be serving in obedience in 1 Peter 4 without being part of a team at church? Conversely, if I'm serving as part of a team at church, does that tick the box of 1 Peter 4 and I'm done? Uh, yeah, thanks for the question. Um, for the ministry pastor? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, this is a really helpful question because I think it helps us to ask the, the big question of um, what, what's the big purpose of, of the world? What's the big purpose of life? Um, sometimes I think we can ask a question like this and say, sure, are you just saying that you want me to serve at church? Is that is that what, it, you know, now tick a box and I'm done? That's totally not the heart. I hope... I hope that isn't what came across. And if that did come across on Sunday, I'm, I'm really sorry. That was not, not what I'm intending to do. But I do want to just go back to the heart of it, which is at one level, actually serving in church or, or, or in the gospel um, is actually, I think, a, just a massive part of the privilege that God offers to Christians. Um, I, sometimes I think we can be like, oh, I can just serve anywhere. And that's true at one level. We'll come to a question on that later. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the fact that our whole lives are lives of service. And absolutely, that's that's what it's, um, that, that's an important thing to, to say clearly. But there is a particular work that God is doing in these last days. And remember, that, remember the context of this, the end of all things is near um, in, in verse 7. Um, and that has to frame. Now, why is that important? Well, because... Once the end of all things happens, there is no time for people to repent, to turn back to the Lord Jesus. The time for salvation will be over. Yeah, so it's sort of like the basketball analogy. That's the basketball analogy I was using. Yeah, that's right. And in that time, why is God being patient? Well, 2 Peter 3, in fact, I'm going to be preaching about this this coming Sunday, so get excited for that, um, is that God is patient and he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Um, That's why he's waiting at this time. And so... um, and then he, what he does is he entrusts to each one of us an, an ability uh, and gifts and skills and uh, resources, that kind of stuff, that we can get involved in his work of salvation, which um, really is captured in the purpose of building the church. Um, that, that, is, that is what God is doing. He is saving people one by one, like little beads onto a necklace, just adding mm. them on yeah. to this precious thing that is the gathering, that is the people of God. 
Um, and if you look at the preaching of Jesus, he's just constantly saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like this. And it's this growing, building, thriving, flourishing thing. Mm. And that we are given the, the privilege of being part of using our lives to, um, to, to, to do. Um, no longer is the world just about um, making a comfortable life for yourself or, or kind of living, you know, um, under the sun. We did Ecclesiastes earlier. There's actually a new a final days that we're in that really put the urgency on for for this is the day of salvation. This is the hour to be preaching the gospel. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think sometimes even for me, you know, sitting there listening to um, preaching on serving and then having the kind of main application come out of that as serving in the church. Mm. I think there's a part of us or part of me anyway that just goes, well, that just seems a little bit too simple mm. to, to put it like that. Like, because mm. shouldn't serving be all of life? And then yep. um, there's a kind of pushback mentality. Yeah. But then at the same time, I think as if I were to preach to myself and mm-hmm. think about that, it's it, it it's definitely more than that, but yep. it can't be less than that. Absolutely. So, you know, it can't be if, if you're a part of this family, like imagine a family member who's at home yep. who never helps with the dishes never kind of does anything at home because they're just too busy out yep. there doing everything else like that doesn't seem to make sense mm. um yeah yeah for me a christian who says look i'm not particularly interested in building the church or seeing the gospel go forward i want to serve in something else i i just want to come back to that and say well do, do you get do you really get what god is doing and like how do you think the gospel came to you <laughs> you know and, mm. and 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 that you've have you fully appreciated all that god has given to you by letting the gospel somehow come to your life but now you think, well, I'm not particularly interested in seeing it going to others or seeing it advance. I just, I'll just take my own. I just want to go and do this other thing that I'm interested in. Yeah, and be a yeah. part of a church where you're being fed through the growth group, yeah, where you're yeah, hearing yeah. the Sunday sermon, where you're being encouraged by the welcomers and everything else that's happening around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you go, well, no, I'm not. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't want to be in. I don't want to be part of that endeavor. <laughs> I just want to go and do my own thing somewhere else. And I actually think, for particularly those of us like myself from a Western background. Um, some of our just inherent individualism can play in there where we think, yeah, I'll go and take and I'll go and receive all this stuff and I, I'll get fed and that'd be great, but I'm just going to go do my own thing because I like I want to serve in my way doing my thing. Um, and sometimes we even think, I'll do my way for the Lord, <laughs> yeah. um, which is actually, I think, realizing actually that's not, the, that's, that's more Western thinking than it is, um, I think, God's way, which is God is saying, I'm building a community, I am building a people um, and they will be presented on that final day as a gift from the father to the son, as a, as a precious bride, give, you know, and given yeah, You're to, part of a huge thing yeah, and, and, doing. And don't you want to get in on that? Like, uh, yeah, I, I sort of feel like for, for us, we did a bit of a, just a reset in our thinking of what, 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 are, what are our goals and what's driving us. Um, and I think it needs to be less of the individualistic goals and I want to do something for the Lord in my terms as opposed to saying, I just want to get in on what God is doing, which is the building of this beautiful thing called the church. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. Thinking about the application um, of what we've talked about on Sunday, what about our secular work where we serve others as a witness of Christ? So not a part of the church, right? You're out there mm-hmm. in the world, you're working, yep. you're serving as a witness of Christ. Is this a way of building the body by way of witness and evangelism? Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, a couple of thoughts here. I mean, the, the question's already noted um by way of witness and evangelism. Um, and I think at that point, they've already answered their own question, mm. which is in, in that regard, 100% it can be. Um, because what, um, remember the pathway diagram that I put up on Sunday with the different sort of bits? Um, what, what a great way to be connecting with people who don't know the Lord Jesus than connecting with those who are 
in our lives, nine to five or probably eight to you know seven sometimes, depending on what kind of work you do. Um, they're people that God has put you in the in the midst of that you can witness and share. The, what's your goal for them? That they would grow, come into Christ, be saved, and become part of the body. Um, yeah. Uh, so so yes. Um, there's also I think the the other part of that question that's not explicitly put here is well can I just not do the evangelism bit but just do my work as service for for, for Christ. And I think here is it all right if we go on a little side yeah, bit yeah, here. Yeah. Um, Part of it, I think, um, it's helpful just to differentiate. Um, Colossians 3 talks about whatever you do, um, do it uh, not serving people, but as if you were serving the Lord. Um, so it actually opens up that that any work or service that you do can actually be done for the Lord. And that's yeah, so really... I could be doing software engineering. Yep. I could be sweeping the streets. I could be doing all sorts of different Absolutely. work for the Lord. Do it for the Lord. But that is differentiated to the, the work of the Lord. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about in the context of the resurrection, there's this, there's now this work, because no matter what work you do, um, it will, death mucks it up. Um, yeah. So that, uh, so you, you create software, you know, it, it will not last forever. You, you build a car, it'll break down and rust and die. You build, you bake some bread, someone will eat it, it's gone. Uh, you know, like, oh, it will turn moldy. It'll turn, that's right. Work just perishes um, because of the, the fall and the, the realities of this creation. Even the most beautiful building that gets built will one day, someone will knock it down. Mm. Um, that's the Ecclesiastes. That's the Ecclesiastes thing, right? Yeah. Now, you can still do it to the glory of God and with all your heart and do it as if working for the Lord. And Colossians 3 says that and says you should do it. to the, Don't do a half, you know, half-baked job. Um, pardon the pun for the baker. Um, just because you think, well, someone's just going to eat it tomorrow and it'll be gone. Well, still put your best into it. That, that's part of what we're called to do, work for the Lord. But that's quite different to the work of the Lord, which 1 Corinthians 15 says all of a sudden there's this thing that death can't undo. Uh, and what is that thing? It is it is the preaching of the gospel to the nations because death and death has been defeated. And, and investing in that work, there's this thing that will that will actually have eternal significance. So he says, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour in the Lord is never in vain. Mm. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, um, and that is I think really helpful just to differentiate. There's work for the Lord or work, you know. Uh, I'm about to, after you're, you leave here, Candy, I'm going to tidy this office. Um, that's very mundane work. It's quite, you know. It will get messy And it will again. get messy again. But I'm going to tidy it with all my heart um, as if I were working for the Lord. But that's quite different to when I'm actually doing the work of the Lord, which is actually sharing the gospel with a, with, with yeah, a person. Yeah, teaching Sunday te- school. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, doing something that could that will actually, like, no one's going to get saved by the, ti- by the tidiness of my office, but it's still a good thing for me to do wholeheartedly. Um, but people will get saved as I... Um, minister the word of God and uh, does that um, that's very helpful yeah. to just distinguish as we talk about secular work the yeah. work for the Lord yeah. and you can do the work of the Lord in the midst of that secular work in Absolutely. terms of sharing the gospel with others yeah. and um, bearing witness to Christ in, in, in just speaking of him but then there is a difference with between that and the work of the Lord and the work for the Lord there's yeah. a difference there yeah. now Expanding it from the work context to the family, mm. how does serving our family at home fit into this kind of idea of ministry? Yeah. Because yeah, um, we've talked about church, we've talked yep. about work, and now the area yep. of home. Yeah, great question. Um, uh, absolutely, serving your family is a really important thing to do. Um, and uh, for many, if you're, uh, you know, if you're a parent potentially listening to this, uh, you might have young kids, they are a precious part of the body. And uh, one of the huge things that you can see is who... 
who, as you hear, you know, I've done youth ministry for many years, often kids' testimonies involve some, Christian kids that have grown up in Christian families involve some version of, I saw my mum and the way that she faithfully, you know, knew the Lord and served mm-hmm. the Lord and that just impacted me. I saw my dad and his priority of uh, reading the word and, you know, being involved at church and it just it struck me and, uh, do you know what I mean? Like, so parents serving your kids and being involved in your kids' lives and letting them see your Christian life is actually really important. So um, I would want to say see see your kids as kind of precious members of the body and, and serve them um uh, with your gifts. Um, however, I, I would I would gently um, put us put alongside that that there, in our culture there can also be a major idolatry of family. That is, uh, family first, uh, God second, church third. Do, do you know what I mean? It is a bit of I think um, as I think back to my work days in the secular workforce. Yeah. So many of my workmates were it's all about my family. Yeah. And even now, sort of for yep. me being in these birthing classes yeah. and seeing other parents it's yeah. like the family comes first family number one and yep. everything else it's yep. like and that's actually quite an admirable yeah. and an understood way of living yeah i think in australian society yeah and so i think for christians part of it is actually god first um marriage second <laughs> uh children and family third um that, that's um so now God first is not the same as church first. It's really important to say that. God is different to serving a church. And there are times where it's right and appropriate for you to focus on the, the, the particular people that you know are part of your family. Um, but God always trumps. So I think that's important to say. Um, so... I, yeah, I'd God also, should have the say God has, over. Yeah, God has the primacy and the, and the say over how we set up our family life. And part of it then is with your family talking through, well, what is a, what is godliness going to look like in, in our family? So some things that we have sort of built into our family life is that Friday nights and Sundays are, are kind of times where something is always in the diary and that thing is gathering with God's people. So we we have from the early days and i'd say this if you've got kids who are not yet at ready for ignite or salt or some equivalent of that um which is our kids and youth ministries don't go chucking them in in friday afternoon karate when they're in year one thinking that's great because i've got the time free because you know what's going to happen when they hit year three and it's time for them to hit ignite the kids club you've already made a pathway decision for them which is blocking out friday night and then they can't come to the thing that's most important for them which is to gather with God's people and be taught and grown and discipled. You sort of, um, so we made that decision very early on Fridays and Sundays. They're already blacked out and they're blacked out with meeting with the Lord's people. And I think part of that is, is actually building a family, which is centered around what's God doing in the world, which is gathering the people of God and building the church. And I want my family to be part of that. So part of the way I lead and serve my family is to help them grasp from a young age, what is of first importance. Um, and so, for us, that's looked like just saying, and we've had all kinds of things, parties and co-curricular activities and opportunities. And you think, what a great opportunity that would be, but it, it falls into its appropriate place behind um, being part of what God's work is in the world. Now, what we've also worked out is that, you know what, they also run karate classes on Tuesdays. And that's totally, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You don't have to do the Friday slot. Oh my gosh, you can do tennis on a Wednesday. Um, so you don't have to take Sunday morning to do tennis. Uh, and and uh, do you know what I mean? I just... I think, now that's a, a little example, but I think part of it is, is helping our families see that actually God's building of the church is something that we want to be part of as a family. And so I want to bring my family in and be part of that together. Sam, can I ask you, surely 
it has is what do you think about it being negotiable in terms of the Sundays and the Friday nights um, for well, you and your family is that ever like something you go well you know there's this really great like how do you kind of make those decisions for your kids if they're really passionate and enjoy say karate or something like that yeah. and it's only on Friday nights yeah what do you think about that uh, well it's not here's the thing if it, people are going to be sitting there on the edge of their tongue is he going to be a legalist at this point is, mm. is he going to say that you have to go um, and I'm not going to, it's not, it's not about legalism that don't hear that. Okay. Um, but it is about discipling my children and, and like good, good and godly habits are set by lots of little decisions. Um, and so we've always had the practice rather than setting rules and just telling our kids that's how it is, but actually involving them in, um, a, a helping them understand some of our decision-making processes. And so, um, we've we've always leveled with them and we've said to them because we want to see them grow as disciples of the lord jesus and we say to them look this is really important we think this is really important and we want you to be part of it mm-hmm. and so um for us it really like i can only think of one time in the last little while that our kids have missed a friday night for something else um but it was very much an exception uh, r- rather so it doesn't mean there's no exceptions but um, generally, our answer, our answer is no. Let's try and find a different solution that enables. Like there are great opportunities to be had, um, but th- those things for us trump. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, we talk about the diagram, which um, well, one would talk about the diagram which you put up. Mm. Um, and um, I know for North Rocks, Peter was uh, preaching for magnification, but sort of the week before that, Sam, you were talking about um, ministry, and there's a five M's, and it says we're all about people. Yep. Um, Shouldn't it be a circle instead of a one way? Hmm. Um, so is it a cir- should it be a circular diagram to show the message of continuity rather than to reach an endpoint in you know ministry and mission? It's a really helpful, really helpful comment. Um, no diagram is ever perfect, um, and, and I, I you know I think that's important just to note. Like diagrams are trying to show you something, um, and and I like I would let me show you another fault with it that I think with with the diagram is that it's never quite that linear. Do you know um, what I mean? It's not yeah. like you kind of get converted and then you join church and then you do the word stuff and then you serve like as if it's this very neat sort of step yeah, by like step a by step. It's a little bit like an engineer drew church. You know what I mean? That, that's, yeah. that's, um, often it's, it's quite messy. Often someone's already been in the gathering for a while and then all of a sudden God opens their eyes and they understand the gospel. And they, Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. um, it could be like they felt like they really belonged and the church was really warm and yeah, they felt right. so welcome. And then they're like, yeah. okay, actually now I understand the gospel. And, and often know. they're maturing as they're serving. Do you know, like that was yeah. certainly my story. I got involved in serving quite quickly and that actually helped me to go deep in my maturity because it pushed me along. And those things, they're all sort of tied up. So I, I think it's worth just saying, but a diagram is trying to show you something, which is um, that th- these are different aspects of the Christian life and we want to treat each one as important and we want to resource each one of those both with leadership in terms of where, how we deploy our, our pastor's team but also in terms of how we mobilize the saints of St Paul's to make sure that these important things are being prioritized in the Christian life so that's that's why the, the, the diagrams are just to say hey these are the important these are some of the important parts of the Christian life and we want to we want to emphasize and do them um, should it be a circle? Yeah, I think that's probably right at one level that as you like, as you grow in maturity, um, you see God's purpose for the world, which is to see the lost um, come under the sound of the gospel and turn to Christ. And so you naturally want to get involved in mission, which um, so you could sort of have this as like a snowballing circle. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> bigger kind of, and bigger. Yeah. It's getting bigger and bigger as it rolls down the hill. Um, and uh, that would be right and appropriate. 
Um, so that's a helpful comment. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. every way you lay a diagram out, um, there's always ways you can improve it. So. Talking about serving, can you qualify, Sam, for us some seasons where serving's not possible? So uh, someone's made a comment via the text line that for some people it's hard to hear we're never exempt from serving when they're going through burnout. Ooh, my favourite two words. Um, uh... What's your favourite two words? Is there a hobby I'm horse joking, I'm joking. Um, uh, I often have some comments on burnout. Um, I've said them before on the, on the extras. Um, uh can I just qualify? Is that um, is it? Do you know what? Um, I think everyone would love it if you did that all the time. Just qualify it and put it put around it a bunch of exceptions where it's okay. Um, and I just want to recognise sometimes people are coming, they're hearing sermons. Um, you know, I, I organise and write a sermon um, which ends up getting preached to over a thousand people. And uh, within that thousand, there's such a great um, range of where people are at on any given Sunday in terms of where they're. Um, their heart is at where their emotions are at where their stage of life is at um, and even their history and background 100%, like where, yeah. where where they've been taught previously what yep. other experiences they've had with church yep, yep that's right so at one level i could give you a thousand qualifications because there are a thousand different stories of people who are hearing the sermon but part of my job as a preacher is simply to preach the word as as it is now i find it really interesting that within the faith um you don't often get these kind of qualifications. I think we'd love them, and especially with our, well, there's a real movement at the moment, uh, an awareness around mental health and stuff like that, which can be very valuable. However, as our culture has that kind of, you know, um, growth in, in understanding the, the importance of these things, we've got to keep coming back to the scriptures and, and saying, as we as Christians see, see what the Bible says, we need to kind of just temper what's going on in the culture with scripture. And I find it interesting that there aren't a lot of tempering comments in in the Bible. Um, Paul talks about um, he's being he's already being poured out like a drink of offering, you know, like which you know is quite a you know, if you know your Old Testament, that's he's kind of been sacrificed to God, and he's literally going to die because of the service that he that he gives. And he talks about you know even though he's had insane persecution and opposition and difficulty and suffering, he continues to serve right to the end because he knows that the time is short um, and you think of jesus who says you know uh, john 13 we looked at it on sunday um he, he, uh, the start of john 13 is that jesus showed uh his disciples that the full extent of his love you know which is that he's he's going to actually go and die um which makes kind of some of our comments about oh look i'm a bit worn out um feel a bit sort of trite at, at one level so i think one part of it is to let the gospel actually challenge us in our tiredness and to say to us, um, God still calls on us to serve. And 1 Peter 4 comes with a beautiful assurance that if anyone serves, they should do so, verse 11, with the strength that God provides. And so God doesn't just give you the command to serve. He gives to you the gifts and the strength that you need to serve. So God will enable you, um, is, is one thing to say. Number two, um, Matthew 11 is a great passage to come to. Um uh, I think it's verses 27 to 30. Um, it's the famous passage everyone knows, you know, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And sometimes Christians want to hear that and say, ah, see, Jesus is saying, just come to him and I can stop and I don't have to do anything. But if you actually read on the next sentence, he goes, um, take my yoke, which is the big kind of burden that a bull pulls to, to pull a plow across a field. Um, and he says, for my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light um, and you will find rest for your souls. And there's actually something about 
serving the Lord Jesus that is actually good for us and is a blessing. And again, that's what um, John 13 says, isn't it? Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So I want to say to the Christian who's really struggling, feeling tired, feeling worn out. Um, sometimes I think we, we throw the burnout language just a little bit too flippantly. Like that's burnout's a clinical condition of like, you know, paralysis at home. Um, now, if you're in that space, seek help. Um, I would encourage you that there is help out there for that. But most of us, when we use the word burnout, what we mean is I'm just pretty worn out and tired and I've, I've been doing a lot and I'm pretty, pretty weary. I think is actually to recognize that the thing that, that actually will bless us and help us is getting involved in some of the Lord's work because it's it's actually a, a blessing and a refreshment from the Lord. Now, let me see if I can give you one example. And um, Tuesday nights, it's Tuesday today we're recording this. Um, we lead a growth group. We've got about 15 people in our growth group. We cook dinner for them every week. Um, sometimes at six o'clock, I'm thinking, what a dumb choice we have made. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, can I just say, I resonate. Um, well, like, yeah, that having yeah, done the dinners every week and you, yeah. before you go, what and am I, I think, doing? What are, what are we doing here? This is madness, you know? Um, Tuesday's so stay in the office, so she comes home from work. It's, it's rushing, busy. Um, but at 10 o'clock, after the study, after we have gathered as God's people, we always think three hours later, man, that's a good decision. What a good thing. I'm so glad we didn't cancel. Because God, because being involved in God's work, even though it is hard and difficult and cooking for 15 is not easy, um, but it is a great blessing and it re- refreshes us in a, in a different way. There's a, It's a bit like going to the gym. You've, you've smashed it out and you're like, you're tired and exhausted, but you just have that like, oh, that was good. You know, um, I think that's part of what God wants us to learn to love is that is that sense of satisfaction and blessing that comes when we do get involved in serving him. And so I would gently want to say to someone, you may need to think about your boundaries and how much you can do, but don't quit serving as saying that's going to help me get better because that's saying I'm going to give up the blessing in order to get blessed. That doesn't seem right to me. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, yeah, you, yeah. Hold on, there might be something else that needs to go. Uh, but don't. But hang on to serving the Lord because that's that's part of the way that you'll find rest for yourselves. Yeah, I think recognizing our limitation as creatures and not the Creator, mm. and therefore our need for sleep, for food, for yep. exercise, all of that. Yeah, that's a really wise and good thing to do. But we can't just go. Well, I recognize this now and go to the extreme. Mm, well, I've got to protect mm. this and protect myself, and yep. therefore, no, I've just got to stop. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. There's kind of there's kind of a line and a wisdom core, but also a heart matter and mm. all of that. Um, Sam, on to our last question, which I think is a really brilliant question to finish with. Mm. Um, and the question is, is I should, so this is in quotation, I should, a good enough reason if it's not accompanied by I want? Mm. Great so, you know, thinking through the sense of obligation and duty, like yeah. I should do something. I mean, is that a good enough reason to serve if it's not accompanied by I want to serve? Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, we looked at magnification last Sunday. Um, there is great reason to want to serve because God is so good. Um, and I think for someone who's in the I don't want to thing, part of what I want to say to them is come back to the, who, who the Lord is, come back to the person and work of the Lord Jesus and see him in all his wondrous goodness. Um, his, like we've been talking about God's generosity in so many different ways, giving to us salvation, giving to us gifts. Just enjoy the goodness of God and, and that that can and will, I think, 
just refresh your heart that you do want to. So that that would be I, I say the want piece is important. Does that mean that you until you're perfectly until your motives are pure and you're perfect, you shouldn't do anything? Do you know what I mean? Until you, oh, I could want a bit more, so I'll still not serve for a bit. Um, mm. I think those things are tied up with one another. Uh, that sometimes a bit. I, I, I talked about the gym thirty seconds ago. I'll talk about it again. Sometimes I don't want to go there, um, and and the first bit of exercise is awful, and you don't want to. You know, but actually, as you get into it, you're like, oh, that's really good. And then you come to the end and be like, that was great and I loved it. You know, but you know, the moment where I'm putting my, my workout clothes on, I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to do this. This sucks. Um, and at that point, do I give up or do I push on a little bit and actually find the joy as I get going into it? And I think those things can actually be connected that as you start serving, um, actually God builds the joy in you as you and, and you know i've seen lots of stories about people this year taking up serving opportunities feeling a bit reticent at the mm. start but then at the end of the year as we go around and have a hey how did the year go for you and they go that was so good and i'm so glad i did it that actually by stepping into it and having and trusting god at his word that if you come to him and you take his burden on you it, it is actually a joyful restful one and looking back you go, oh man i'm so glad i said yes do you know what i mean um so waiting sometimes until the the desire is there can sometimes be a misstep because actually it's in the doing sometimes that God unlocks some of that yeah. um, that gladness. To, yeah. yeah, and I think also as I think about biblical examples of say Abraham sacrificing mm. Isaac, mm. Jesus going to the cross, mm. all these great acts of obedience in the Bible that we yep. we we hear the commendation of yeah. Abraham and of course how much more Jesus yep. that he revered God yeah. and chose the cross yeah. even though like we, we hear in his prayer in the Gethsemane yep. that he had asked the father to take that from him yeah. and he asked him yet not my will but yours be done yeah. you can think like Jesus didn't you know smile, had a smile on his I face I the cross like, yeah, crucifixion like, is the best yeah judgment of God like um, <laughs> we have to yeah. recognize that actually um, yeah. there isn't that we see these acts of faith where people take on God's word yeah. as a promise yep. and then they act on it um, even though they didn't really mm. feel like it. At and then the isn't time. it interesting that Hebrews 12 then talks about Jesus as the one who for the joy set before him yes. endured the cross. So actually as he trusted the father and obeyed um, out of just obedience to the father's will, he then um, walked into joy um, in, the, in the goodness of, of, and the fullness of God's plans for the world. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there, there's, Sometimes, yeah, it, it, we, there is an endurance and a, and a willingness to suffer peace that then unlocks for us a, a world of joy as we get involved in, in the Lord's purposes. That's in the world. right. And I think also, you know, I can apply this, I reckon, to like Bible reading. Mm. Like, you know, um, I don't feel like reading the Bible every morning, mm -hmm. but I recognize also that there is a part of me that's sinful, mm. which is why I don't want to read the Bible because I think I can live apart from God. Hmm. And there's another part of me that's just human weakness. You yep. know, like I'm tired. But actually those things are the very reasons why I should be reading the Absolutely. Bible, right? Yeah. And there's kind of that saying, you know, sin will keep you away from this book and this book will keep you away from sin. You know? Yeah. yeah, so it's it's one of those things where we need actually the means of God's grace. But sometimes in our human weakness and our sinfulness, we don't want it. Mm. And I think especially just my observation as we talk about Carl Truman even and his book mm. and thinking back to when we did Ecclesiastes um, in term two, that there's this kind of sense of just our culture narrative of our authentic self and we need to do what we feel like mm. because in doing what we feel like, we are being true. Absolutely. And so if we yeah. don't feel like something, we don't feel like um, and we do something, it seems like fake and it mm. seems like it's not... 
it's not a virtue. It's considered as being a bit phony. Yeah. But we need to just recognize, I think the Bible tells us that we are sinful and that we are weak yeah. and that our feelings are not always the most, tr- it's not the most trustworthy guide. Mm-hmm. Emotions are a great thing that God has blessed us with and can be a bit of a litmus test of the state of our heart and our state of who, where we are at the moment. But even that can lie to us. So I think, um, yeah. yeah, separating. And Peter was really helpful. I was having a chat with him this about this last week, but he says that we've got to separate the weather from the climate. Mm. The weather can change, but there's an overall climate. So the overall climate is we should have joy and delight mm. in the Lord, but we just need to recognize there are stormy things. seasons in yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. helpful, um, really helpful. Well, thank you very much, Sam. So this coming Sunday, we're going yeah. to move on to Advent. Advent, yes, yeah. um, which is more than, would you believe it, more than chocolates hidden behind doors. That's what Advent was when, <laughs> I, when I was a kid. Me I, too, I, the I little paper thing. Like, I love Advent, there's chocolate. Um, it's a season of uh, re- looking back and seeing how God's people waited for the Messiah and actually resonating with them because even though Jesus has come the first time, we as God's people are actually still waiting for the Messiah to return. And so we sort of, we, we go back and we see how people, God's people waited in the past. And then we remember, look at that, God came through and gave them exactly what they were waiting for, which was the Lord Jesus. And then we remind ourselves, even though we are waiting, God will come through and give us exactly what we are waiting for, which is the Messiah. So it's even better than the chocolate behind the doors. Sam, is there a passage that our listeners should read to prepare? Well, um, yes, there's a couple, both from Isaiah. So Isaiah 11 for some, Isaiah 42, I think, for others. Um, Yeah, um, Lachlan and I, so your husband Lachlan, uh, are uh, preaching this week. And uh, we're doing slightly different approaches, but both looking at how... Um, God promised in the past and was faithful and so he will be faithful to us. Yes, and I'm looking forward personally to starting my Advent Bible reading materials Mm, on Thursday to prepare. It's going to be great. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Candy. Thanks, Sam.